If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 is where we'll be uh, spending our time. We started there last week, and we're going to continue the story there today. And I'm just looking forward to uh, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, If you're visiting with us, we're grateful that you're here. And we're in a series that is called Christmas with Us. And the idea of this series, or sort of the the, the big idea that's driving this series, is that humanity is better together, and we are best together with Christ, and our best begins with Christmas. Because it's then that we focus on the Advent, that first coming of, of Jesus. As Ryan read to us just a little while ago, at the opening of our service, you know, we light one of these candles each week that represent hope and joy and love and peace. And those are the, the, uh, the things that remind us of Christ. And it's during this season, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we focus on the coming of that first Advent, but we don't just stay in the first Advent. It is the Advent season that also reminds us that we are preparing for the second Advent, when Christ comes back, when He comes to take us all home. And so that's what we're doing. And so that's what I mean when I say that our best begins with Christmas because not only do we focus on the birth of Jesus, we also focus on the death and the burial and the resurrection and the return of Jesus. And so it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a great time of year Uh, It's one of my favorite times of year. And as we've said for the last couple of weeks, Christmas brings people together. It brings relatives home. Uh, It gives us events and parties to attend. Last Sunday night, we had one of the best Christmas parties I think we've had here. Can I get an amen? Yes. It was a good good night. We had had a lot of fun. and, and I'll be honest, there was some ugliness that, that was a part of the party. But fortunately, it was planned and controlled ugliness. Where we had ugly Christmas sweaters. And uh, Glennis, Glennis won the ugly sweater Christmas party contest. Now then, I learned something at the end of the party that I did not know. Glennis takes losses really hard. You know, she was like runner-up last year to Rose. And then, you know, Glennis, she remembered that. She has been training all year (laughs) to win the Ugly Sweater Christmas Party Contest. Buying and stocking and swapping out ornaments and baubles and all of the different things till she had that outfit tweaked just right. And when she put the hat on, The ensemble was complete, and it wasn't even close. She won it in a landslide. It was amazing. It was a great, great party. But that's one of the things that this time of year does because it's festive. We have opportunities to to celebrate with one another. And even better than that, Christmas brings together people together around Jesus. Because as I said a couple of weeks ago, During Christmas, 
you will have people that will attend church that might not otherwise attend church many other times through a year. Maybe Easter, but also Christmas. And so you have a, a bringing of people together. It also brings people into town together. Or it might take you out of town to go and travel to be with your, to be with your relatives. But there's also a newness that comes each year with Christmas. It's a great time of year because we discover new acceptance. We experience new beginnings. We meet new people. We make new memories like we did last week. We can establish new beliefs. And so if you're looking for a place to belong this Christmas, we would love for you to spend that with us. But not just Christmas. We want you to, 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 to experience what we do here at Cornerstone all the time. Because it's a pretty amazing thing, I think. And it's a great church to, to be a part of. So last week, as we kicked off our Christmas with us series, we talked about new beginnings. Do you remember that? And we looked at one of the most overlooked texts in all of the Bible, and that is the genealogy, where you go through and you read all these names. This one begat that one, and this one begat that one, and fathered, and all this stuff. And we saw that the family tree of Jesus was not perfect, right? Remember, in fact, one of the things we said is that the family tree of Jesus was a little shady. And not shady in a good way. Okay? Because just like, and just like Jesus' family tree, our family tree is also, they can be a little shady. Okay? Yeah, amen, yeah. <laughs> and... What we also established is that every family tree has a few nuts in it, right? Yeah, we do. You know, we don't often talk about those things, but what we saw last week is that Matthew was not afraid to point out the nuts in the family tree. And we saw that there were, were prostitutes, there were murderers, there are outsiders, there are scan, uh, 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 scoundrels, in his family tree, which is great because that gives us hope that God, and this was the point that we talked about, is that God works through you to start something new. You remember that? It doesn't matter what our past is, where we come from, what our background is, how we've blown it in the past. God wants to work through you to start something new. And there's no better time than Advent to consider that as we talk about new beginnings, as we talk about new beliefs. And today, that's what we're talking about, what it means to embrace and trust in new beliefs, especially in the midst of difficult circumstances. So, like you, my family has Christmas traditions, and most of them, you know, you, you probably have too, and one of ours is, is to watch Christmas movies together. Okay, and there's some great ones out there. Now, my favorite all-time Christmas movie is A Christmas Story. Okay, the Red Ryder BB gun. You'll shoot your eye out. You know, I had a Red Ryder BB gun as a kid, and I did not shoot my eye out. I might have shot other people's eyes out, but I never shot my own out. Okay, may have shot neighbor's dogs and other things that probably shouldn't have been shot. But I did. But I loved that movie. Now, as an adult... One of my favorite Christmas movies is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Who likes this one? 
Who has already watched this one this year? Yeah, we watched it last night. You know, we're like late in the game. It's like 10 days till Christmas, and we haven't even watched this thing yet. So I was home last night, and I said, hey, let's watch The Grinch. Okay, and I love the cartoon, but I really love the full feature-length film because I think Jim Carrey does some of his most brilliant work playing that role as the Grinch. He really brought that character to life. And we know how the story goes. You know, we know how it goes. The Who's, as the movie opens, the Who's are, are seemingly caught up in the commercialism and the consumerism of Christmas. And, hey, did we not just talk about that two weeks ago? We're not the only ones. The Who's deal with it too, okay? So we can cut ourselves some slack. But they're dealing with all this, all the hustle and bustle of Christmas, and they're counting down and celebrating the moments that lead up to Christmas. And of course, as we know, the Grinch hates Christmas because he has some terrible Christmas memories that go way back in his past to a time when he was humiliated by, by some of the Who's. And you know, you have that great scene at the beginning where he's kind of standing there and he's overlooking Whoville. And he's there on the edge of Mount Crumpet and he begins to hate the Who's alphabetically. He opens up the phone booth and uh, the phone book and begins to go through there and just list them off one by one. This is how much he hates the Who's. Okay, he hates them. And so we know he devises this grand scheme to put a stop to it. Uh, he's going to go into town, he's going to steal Christmas, and he does this, and he gets back up to Mount Crumpet, and he's just watching, and he's waiting, and you can sort of feel the deliciousness that he is tasting in his mouth as he knows the who are about to awaken to discover that everything is gone, that something has happened to Christmas. And of course they do, and they are sad, but the sadness is only momentary as they gather in the middle of town and they gather around the tree and it's, and it's Lou Who who points out to Mayor Mayhew that, hey, look, it's not been about presents and packages and boxes and bags, okay? And he says, Cindy Lou has been trying to tell us this all along and he says, all I need for Christmas is what I've got right here and it is my family. You know, it's Christmas with it is, it is Christmas with us. And so they begin singing. They begin singing, and it's then, it's then that the Grinch has something go on, not only in his head, but also in his heart. He has this new thought come to mind, and it's this, that maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And then that's sort of the thrust of the movie as you realize that it's, they're talking about family and, and togetherness and spending time together. You know, and while this is a, a children's story, it really does, it makes a great point. And it's that sometimes unexpected events can change our view of things. Do you agree with that? Sometimes unexpected events change our view of things. This is what happens with the Grinch. He expected it to go horribly bad. He expected to pay them back, but yet in the process, this unexpected event, his heart was, was changed in the process. 
And so I wonder, as we think about this today, you know, what events have occurred in your life that were unexpected? Is there, is there something that happened that has made it difficult for you to receive the message that God has for you concerning Jesus? And so if that's you, or if you find yourself wrestling with that, or elements of the Gospels and elements of the Jesus story, then, then you're in luck because the Bible has a story for you. Today, today we're going to look at the life of Joseph, a man whose life, who has, who, uh, man whose life has been absolutely turned upside down. In the process, he's forced to make some difficult decisions and ultimately come to some new beliefs in order to move forward with his life. So let's begin reading this text together. We're going to start in uh, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read 18 through 25. Let's read this together. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant, and she will give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the Lord's angel commanded him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. He named him Jesus. That's a, that's a, that's a, a lot of information packed in just a few verses. You know, and, and one of the things that we often do during this Christmas story is we want to rush to the manger scene. You know, we want to rush. We want to be around there with maybe the, the animals and the wise men and anybody else and the shepherds who might be there. And we want to focus a lot of our attention on the baby Jesus. But I think if we rush to that, then we miss a really strong, a very powerful example of a couple of people who demonstrate some very deep faith in God. You see, both Mary and Joseph, they demonstrate this great faith in accepting Jesus as their son. And I've said before in another message that it is Mary and Joseph who are the first people to accept Jesus for who he is. Think about that. They were the very first people on the earth to accept Jesus for who he is. You know, for Mary, she carried Jesus for nine months. Their flesh and blood had this 
this bond. But Joseph, Joseph had to accept that he was not related to Jesus by blood. And that had to be especially tough in a Jewish patriarchal culture. We're not trying to say that it was tougher uh, for, for Joseph to accept this truth than Mary, but both of them had to overcome huge obstacles in order to accept Jesus. You see, there were social pressures. There were religious pressures. There were relational pressures between them. And as this news comes about that that Mary is pregnant, Joseph has some options before him. Because all of a sudden there is scandal, just like we talked about as we looked at the family tree of Jesus, Mary is seemingly caught in this scandal. She's pregnant, but not by Joseph. Okay, in this small town of Nazareth, that news is going to spread quickly. And you know how things go in a small town. You know how rumors can spread like wildfire. And so Joseph has options that are, 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 are open to him. We know that they are engaged. And a, a Jewish wedding ceremony and engagement is a little bit different than how we do it here in the West. More than likely, the, the marriage would be arranged between the, uh, between the, the groom and, her, and the bride's father. And so, then they become engaged. They enter this betrothal period. And that betrothal period would last for a year. Now, they would appear together in public and during that betrothal period, you know, they would function as man and wife publicly, but they wouldn't have all of the rights as man and wife. They did not live together, and they did not experience the sexual relationship during this betrothal period. Okay? So that's where Mary and Joseph are when Mary pops up pregnant. Okay? They are engaged. They are betrothed to one another. And so... Option one is that Joseph could divorce her. He could divorce her. It would bring a lot of shame. It would bring a lot of disgrace on her and her family. Okay? But he didn't choose that option. Then there was option two. And you've got to go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 22 to find out what this option was. It says that according to the law, He could have her put to death. Look at what Deuteronomy 22 says. If there is a young woman, a virgin, already engaged to be married, Mary hits all those qualifications right there, checks all those boxes, and meets a man in town and lies with her, you shall bring both of them to the gate of that town and what? Stone them to death. That's in the Bible. Okay? That's right there. That is an option that was open to Joseph. But did you notice what the text said about Joseph? It said that he was a righteous man. And so Joseph found a a third option. 
instead of putting her to death, instead of divorcing her, he chose not to disgrace her, but rather he would put her away in secret as not to, to add to her shame anymore. You know, as I, as, I, as I think about Joseph, he really is a fascinating character to me. And we know very little about him. You know, we read about him a little bit in the beginning of Matthew. We hear about him just sort of in passing when Jesus is 12 years old. But then beyond that, we don't hear much about him. And I always wonder, and, I always, and I've got it on my, my bucket list when the new heavens and the new earth come about, and I can get to go and talk to Joseph, I want to say, hey, look, I want to hear some more of your story. Okay? Because I wonder, you wonder if Jesus even resembled Joseph, even maybe even a little bit. I mean, we know they would have been of, of Jewish heritage, so there would have been some of that. But I wonder how often, if, if ever, that he was reminded that Jesus was not his biological son due to the particular nature of his birth. Yet Joseph demonstrates that a family is who you choose it to be. And that's an important point, is it not? He demonstrates that family is who you choose family to be. You could say that Joseph adopted Jesus. And so it was really, you know, fascinating for me this morning as I was reading through the text again. You know, I was humbled by the, not just the righteousness of Joseph, but I'm humbled by the goodness of Joseph, of, of, of the way he handled everything. You see, in order for Joseph to carry on with his life, he had to come to some new beliefs about his faith. In order for him to move on, he had to choose to believe Gabriel's message. He had to choose to believe, a new belief, choose to believe that Mary's pregnancy truly was brought about by the Holy Spirit. Imagine the difficulty of such a belief. He's there in Nazareth. He's minding his own business. All of a sudden, his fiance is pregnant. He's going to do the right thing, okay? There's been no heavenly intervention yet. His goodness, his righteousness is already intact because he's going to take care of this secretly as not to shame her, okay? But you can imagine that he's upset by this. I mean, it brings him disgrace as well. And then the angel shows up and says, Hey, this is of God. This is of the Holy Spirit. This fulfills the prophecy. This is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is Jesus who's going to save all his people from their sins. You know, imagine having that kind of news dropped on you. And I can sort of think that in the moment, okay, wow, I mean, I saw this angel, it's bright, it kind of overwhelmed me. I, you know, I don't know what angels really look like, but I assume they're really shiny. And he's just overwhelmed by this news, and I would think, yeah, in that moment, I might be able to be like, okay, I can do this. But as the months 
went by, I could also find myself going, am I sure about that? Did I really? And that didn't really happen. I must have eaten something that caused me to have some crazy dreams or something. But Joseph doesn't do this. He chooses new beliefs. He chooses to believe that Mary's pregnancy, that Gabriel's message is all from God. He chose to believe that Jesus, that Jesus, his adopted son, would be the Messiah who is going to save all people from their sins. And I'm humbled by the goodness. I'm humbled by the righteousness. And I'm humbled by the faith of, of Joseph. You see, we're all created in God's image. But we are adopted into sonship and daughtership with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We become co-heirs of every spiritual blessing that God provides through His Son, Jesus. And so I wonder, is there something that, that goes on, maybe in your life, that makes it difficult to believe? That makes it difficult to accept such a story? Are there doubts that, that keep you from accepting somebody's testimony about Jesus? Are there fears that are keeping you from adopting new beliefs? Are there hesitations that are preventing you from accepting Jesus as God's Son? The message that was delivered to Joseph in his dream by the angel was, don't be afraid. And that's the same message to us today. Don't be afraid. You see, your fears can, can hold you back from your best relationship with God. Your fears can hold you back from trusting in Jesus. Your fears can hold you back from experiencing a, a deeper commitment and a deeper connection with Christ. Your fears can hold you back from establishing new beliefs. The most satisfying and life-giving moments in life come from when your faith moves past your fears. So don't let your fears catch up with you. Instead, run ahead with faith. Just as Joseph did. Joseph, Joseph listened and he took Mary home as his wife. He didn't consummate the marriage but he accepted her as his bride. And this was a courageous move because guess what? The townspeople would know about this scandal. They would know that this is not Joseph's son, but yet they see that Joseph chooses to remain with her. This was an incredibly courageous move on his behalf. Yet it was the right thing to do. You see, we, we must make bold moves of faith. We must do the right thing. We need to respond correctly. 
And here's the point of the morning. And you, you know this. Life happens. But it's how you respond that makes a difference. Does that make sense? Life happens. That's a true statement, is it not? And, and we don't mean, yeah, life continues going on. When somebody says life happens, we know that is a loaded statement. Okay? You know, and, and, and you know, one of the things that we have to do, we have to train ourselves to do, is we have to listen for the weight behind somebody's words. Okay? Somebody says life happens. You know, they're saying a lot. Okay? And for every single person in here, life has happened in some way, shape, or form. It might be physically. It might be emotionally. Life may have hit you hard mentally. Okay? It might be that your finances have been completely wrecked. It might be that your marriage has fallen apart and your home is destroyed or you don't have a great relationship with your children. It might be that you've lost your job and so you're worried about your house and income and making ends meet. Life has happened to all of us. But what matters is how we will respond when life happens. That's so important. Life happened to Joseph. There's no way he was expecting that to happen, right? I mean, no, I mean, we all sort of expect the other shoe to drop eventually, right? There's nobody that expects the other shoe dropping to be an angel saying, hey, guess what? Your fiancé is going to give birth to Jesus. I mean, I mean, we just don't expect that one. Life happened to Joseph, and he had a choice about how to respond. You realize this, right? That choice is within their hands. Mary says to Gabriel, whatever God says, I'll do. Meaning, she had a choice in the matter. Joseph had options in front of him. But instead, he takes Mary as his wife. And he takes Jesus as his adopted son and raises him as he would his own. Life happened and Joseph chose to accept new beliefs about Jesus. He was the second person to accept Jesus for who he is. See, there may be something that you've been afraid of that will take courage and a bold move of faith to, to move past. Well, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to, to move those barriers so that faith, so that your faith can move into a deep, and lasting and meaningful relationship with God. You see, our sin is a barrier. Our sin is a barrier, but Jesus came to take away that barrier. The origin of our fear is our sin, and Jesus' origin is eternal. He is from heaven, and He is greater than our sin. He's greater than our sin, which means He's greater than our fears. Joseph was told where Jesus came from. He was brought to Mary by the Holy Spirit. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. 
It specifies who the Son of God is. And the name Jesus tells us exactly what he came to do. He came to save people from their sins. That's what Jesus came to do. And Joseph had the courage and had the faith to accept this new belief. That this crazy situation that he found himself in is from God. And that he was tasked to be the surrogate father of Jesus Christ. And he accepted, he accepted those new, those new beliefs. You know, another, uh, another byproduct of fear and pressure is that they, they make us think that the timing is not right. The timing's not right for any new beliefs in our life right now. And you might tell yourself, you know, it's not the right time to believe in the Son of God. Yet this season of the year reminds us of His entrance into the world as Emmanuel, as God is with us. This is what Advent does. This is why, this is why we don't really so much celebrate you know, Christmas here at Cornerstone. This is why we make a strong push for Advent because it reminds us that Jesus came and how much, one, we needed that birth and how much we need Jesus to come back again and take us home. This is what Advent does. <coughs> Joseph, Joseph chose not to disengage from Jesus by remaining engaged to Mary. And so we must choose how we will engage with Jesus. Our faith in Jesus may be a long time coming, and, and like Joseph right now, feels like that second chance. Joseph didn't immediately adopt the situation, but ultimately it didn't prevent him from accepting Jesus. So we may, we may choose, we may not choose the way that Jesus enters our lives, <coughs> But we do, just, just like Mary and Joseph, we do have to decide whether or not we will accept it. Jesus was unexpected. Yet for you, he might just become your unexpected new belief. And so again, the point remains. Life happens. But it's how you respond to it that makes the difference unexpected events can produce new beliefs new beliefs can conquer old fears the reason <laughs> thank you brother the reason that an unexpected event can lead to Jesus is because he is the focal point of all creation. Keeping Jesus front and center helps us to make the right application <coughs> for our lives, no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstance, no matter the timing. He came to save the lives of his people. He came to save your life and mine. And so if you have not embraced Jesus, the question is, 
Will you let him save your life? Life happens. It's how you respond to it that matters. Let's pray.